And welcome to episode 14 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound Players with a Head for the Game. I am Freeloader, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Sabaiku and Arthas. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. And Arthas, how are you doing? Hello, I am doing great. <laughs> well, we are the Brood Sages, and as a reminder, you can always contact us at Brood Sages on Twitter, or for all of you who used to binge watch the original Safe by the Bell, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So guys, this week we have uh, some exciting stuff coming. First, let's talk about our recap. Anybody trying some new decks this week? Sabaiku, go first. Yeah, I've been actually working my way through Platinum with Arcdruid Aaron, uh, mm. recently nerfed card, now seeing some use in uh, a non-winter faction, uh, but it's been working out very well for me. I did manage to hit Diamond 5 with Wait, which with faction the deck. are you playing? I am playing Swarm using Edric and Aaron to pull Dark Harvest and Needle Blast. So it's a nice mid-range Swarm deck that looks to get down to the baseline relatively early. But instead of a reckless attack on the base, you have to play a little more conservatively to try to set up the Dark Harvest swing turn on seven mana. And... Um, it's it's been a challenge. I've been enjoying learning how to play this deck, cycling it differently, building it differently than I normally do. But I can definitely say the card is nerfed, but it can still definitely be viable in the right deck. I mean, it was nerfed to only, only one card. Three, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arthas, how's it going with you? What what have you tried this this month? Well, I've also been uh, joining Subaiku in the uh, the Swarm exploration because I've also been playing Swarm midrange, and it's a bit different oh. though. It's different from like uh, typical like Seder spam midrange. It's actually a uh, dragons bringing back the spare and dreadful keepers combo, as well as Zuri. That's that card's amazing. It's so fun. <laughs> I'm glad you're saying that. It's, it's the first legend I could actually get to level four right now. So there's hope. You're saying right. So I am playing a. Uh, a dragon deck with uh with dark harvest and edric and it's very challenging to play but like after a lot of like learning and building the deck it's actually doing really really well and uh literally the only thing holding me back now against like the top metas is my uh, level four green and saber which i'm extremely uh tempted to fuse because both of them in total only require 58 fusion stones to bring up to max do it. Uh, <laughs> you, could, you could get there no but then well, my fusion stones will only be three digits oh good Life is so hard. <laughs> you know it, right. it's, it, it's funny that you say that because right now i could actually level up I, I think i have enough fusion stones to level up like literally four cards to level five because I'm only missing one copy of like Lime Limbs and Hags and a couple of others. The problem is I don't have 4,000 gold. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and not, yeah, it's also the gold, right? Because I don't know what kind of like discounts they're going to be thinking of doing this Christmas. So, uh, you know, I can wait a few weeks, I guess. Makes me sad though. Try to catch a Christmas <laughs> and New Year sale. I'm trying to do the same thing. Just yeah. Stockpile and, and hope that there's something coming up not me i'm poor so i also have been trying a new deck this uh season um i haven't gotten away from rush <laughs> but i am trying out i had this idea in my head of an extraordinarily aggressive ironclad deck that uh normally when i try to build very very low 
uh, uh, mana cost decks, what I end up finding is I either get there right away or I can't get there. If my opponent manages to kind of turn the corner, all of my cards are just so weak that yeah, I can play all four of them in a turn, but like a, a you know a max level needle blast or something just clears my board. And so I had this idea that well, what if I take that extremely low mana curve deck, but I put in unstable and fort tonic. So now any of the units that I vomit out can immediately turn into big boys. And it turns out it works. It works really well. It's like, it's like, it's like just slapping an air and gifting away. So it works, you know? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what's in my hand. Like, like literally there are times where I will play a unprocked linked golems because the rest of it, because I don't have any other constructs, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to stick it next to this un- unstable build and hit Fort Tonic and it'll be fine. Uh, and it turns out, yeah, it is fine. <laughs> this is the first This is the first deck where I actually found that Felflares' body is not that big of a liability because it turns out even that gets big. Man, you can even go even, you can go even more crazy and put something like Big Thrust in there. Oh, I know. I've thought about it. I, I've, I've thought about Big Thrust in, uh, possibly instead of the uh, West Wind Sailors. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, I've always really liked Green Gale Serpents. And I've really wanted to try to fit in Spare Dragonling into this deck. And unfortunately... Wait, why don't you put Embers in? Because that's cost too much. Oh. I don't want anything of four mana. Come on. This is three <laughs> mana and under. I like that your philosophy here is my rush deck isn't fast enough. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, it's working exceedingly well. Uh, uh, it turns out that unstable Fort Tonic is insane. And, and it's more than enough value to, to make your rush deck resistant to just about any AoE or board clear that uh, your opponent could put out. Not to mention, uh, looking at Freeloader's deck, because, you know, he shared it with us, you know, prior to recording. And uh, his, for- his Fort Tonic and Unstable is only level 3. Mm-hmm. And all of his other cards are basically level 4. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of value then. If you can imagine if it's max, right? The freaking horrors in Diamond 1. Oh, I know, I know. In all honesty, unstable build doesn't need to be upgraded past probably level two. I mean, level three is adequate. It doesn't need to be level four. Fort tonic, however, like I would love to have tonic level four or five because that's that's where all the value comes from. You just want a two mana. Like if if there was a one mana structure with a drawback, I'd be playing that instead. Because all I want is something that procs Fort Tonic. I don't really care what it is. Right. And you're putting so many units on the board. Your opponent isn't going to trade into the tower anyway. Correct. Yeah, no, they're going to try to clear everything else. But it's it's great for things like Witches, if I'm playing against Shadowfan. It's great for, you know, uh, things like, you know, Hunter's Vengeance doesn't impact the, the, the yeah. structure. So it's, it's really great uh, to have something that just sticks on board. Because now suddenly... There's all these tiny units that have gotten big that they need to put real mana and value into to try to clear, and they don't have anything left over for the tower. So after that, the next thing that I want to bring up is it's time for our monthly meta report. The BS meta report. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We need to have some kind of like, uh, (laughs) we roll in this like music and it's just us singing the BS meta report. (laughs) <laughs> something like that. <laughs> do that a couple more times that'll be perfect i have not had enough to drink yet for me to think that that's a great idea but i'm all for you giving it a shot 
(laughs) (laughs) So the third BS meta report is out. Uh, And of course, uh, for those of you who don't recall, the way we uh, put this together is we send out a survey to some of the top tier players out there who play a lot. That's really what we're looking for is people who are playing a lot to try to find out what's going on. The first set of questions we ask are about what are you seeing? What, What kinds of archetypes are you playing against? And the second survey that we send out is asking, based on your experience to date this month, what seems to be the strongest? Now, Arthas, what have we got this uh, month in terms of frequency? What's getting played a lot? Frequency? Uh, we're seeing a lot of Swarm Rush. Like, a lot. Same with the Ironclad mid-range. And uh, me and Sabaika were talking, but uh, we basically only see Ironclad and Swarm nowadays with just a little sprinkle of Winter and Shadowfen. And uh, that's pretty surprising. I mean, Swarm Rush being back at it again, you know? You know, we talked about this last month, and it's it's easy. You just ladder up with the, the cards that you already have leveled. You'll win maybe not a hundred percent of your games but you'll win enough that you'll climb and you'll feel okay about it yeah disclaimer when we say it's easy we mean it's easy because they're it's already the deck you're familiar with not that it's a brain dead deck right it's a familiar deck yes thank you thank you for clarifying and uh i guess this this makes sense because uh i mean talking about swarm rush here um you know recent void surgers it opens a lot of doors for swarm rush now right I hardly see Void Surgers now, and when I do, Manic, uh, it was a very rough time for me. Some guy cleared right. eight of my units in Void Surgers. No. I was not terrible. expecting it, okay? <laughs> I, I, look, I agree with you. I don't play around it at all anymore, and we're, we're maybe getting a little bit of a, ahead of ourselves in the discussion, but I agree with you. I don't play around it at all. I just say, you know what? Now, at this point, if you're still running it, good for you. It's still a good card. It's still does a lot when you put it in your deck. Yeah, but looking at the other frequencies, uh, Shadowfen midrange, you know, it's still there. You know, it doesn't really die as an archetype. I mean, a lot of its uh, synergies uh, encourage the midrange uh, big boy buff kind of playstyle. But uh, we're still seeing, you have Klaxi. Uh, we're seeing uh, still a lot of Winter Pack control. Um, surprisingly, ones who still use Eren and Gift of the Wise. Because it's not that it's bad, you know? It's just not as extremely overpowered anymore. But, you know, there's still some spells. And this is what gets me the most. Uh, there's a still still minimal number of players out there, but it's definitely significantly more than before. We are seeing a little more Winter Pack rush. It's actually catching me by surprise in the in the ladder. Really? So so what is a Winter Pack Rush deck looking like right now? Oh, it's got a lot of really cheap units to flood the board. Like things like uh Rhymelings, uh Lawless Herd, Fell Flares. And it really like kinda screws in my head because I'm normally used to just seeing a lot of spells. But when they start like flooding the board, I get like so overwhelmed because I'm playing around a different kind of playstyle. And then they slap in like one or two hearts and I'm like, wait, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see that people are experimenting with other winter decks now that Aaron and Gift of the Wise isn't so prevalent. And think to yourself, well, I have these winter cards. Let me see what else I can do with them. Yeah, I think it's also telling that um, once the freeze buff happened, a lot of people were trying out a mid-range winter pack deck that was sort of focused around freeze and some decent value minions, right? Giovanna being kind of like the key to it, trying to get a like a really good swing turn out of her. Um, but it's even when I tried it last month, it felt like it was suboptimal. 
And it appears based on what we're seeing that a lot of people experimenting with winter freeze have come to the same conclusion that an additional amount of value is needed. And so we're seeing more control cards being added into the winter freeze decks. Um, and it's making it harder and harder for us to, uh, you know, and our survey takers to provide any sort of differentiation. They're all effectively just getting classified now as winter pack uh, control decks. Because th at the end of the day, that is the play style of both variants now. Um, and not for nothing, but one deck that really does love to prey on winter pack control is Swarm Rush. Uh, so seeing winter pack control sort of take over all of the winter pack mid-range players, and they're going to a more controlling style, that does nothing but but make reckless rush players salivate because that's the deck you want to roll into, right? Like that's the best matchup. I thought it was uh, mid-range that you want to run into as rush because control is built to counter rush. In general, it is, but the oh, freeze okay. the the freeze control has a weakness that it doesn't normally clear the units it relies on freeze to hold for the turn and forgotten souls is kind of like the the one counter to <laughs> to that's like nope freezing doesn't do anything it just gives me something i can pog thanks uh so so that's that's kind of the 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 achilles heel of freeze is that like swarm has a built-in counter to it right it's terrible for shadow fantasy freeze but 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 swarm doesn't mind so much Yes, yeah, that point there. Yeah, at least at least that's my, been my experience. I'm I'm more than happy to defer to to people with uh, uh like yourself with with additional uh, uh play experience than mine. No, but for I agree. Me, I agree. It's also quite possible that the swarm rush players are you know really trying to target the ironclad mid range, which we talked about as being also very prevalent here, and trying to get out ahead of these more value-oriented ironclad decks. And uh, that's that's a pretty reasonable way to target it. That makes sense, yeah. So I, we'll, we'll, we'll table this for later, but I want to just sort of drop the little line here as a note for all of us and for our listeners. We will discuss this at some point. Based on the continued uh, uh, play rate, and, and we'll get to it in just a second, about, about its uh, power, ironclad mid-range... Uh, seems to really be just kind of camping out at the top of the world. And specifically, what brought this to mind was the matchup into Swarm Rush. Uh, Swarm Rush, I feel, is really favored unless the Ironclad mid-range player gets to open with, like, green protos into linked golems going second. Linked golems seems to be such an early game linchpin in that deck. Um, and I think maybe we should have a quick conversation tonight at some point about... Does does Ironclad mid-range need to have maybe some of its gas taken out of it? Does Link Golems need to be looked at? Uh, and to that point, Sabaiku, why don't you walk us through what our power rankings are this month in the meta report? As you mentioned, Ironclad mid-range still on top of the power rankings, still in tier one. Um, it's unsurprising the deck hasn't been hit by any of the balance changes, but some of the decks that play into it, for example, Winter Pack Control, have been um you know there were definitely ways to try to build that Aaron gift of the wise deck that could at least try to target the ironclad mid-range you know play some siren in there maybe crazy bombers try to get those board clears to regain control 
but now uh, it's a lot. It seems to be a lot harder to target from the control standpoint. We're seeing the power of the winter pack control fall down to tier two, and the ironclad stays on top. Second in our power rankings, and also in tier one, barely scraping in, is a Shadowfen mid range, which I have to say I have not seen a ton of, and I'm very thankful for that because it's still very powerful. Claxty you know, and Bragda. And the Toad Spam is all still a very good way to build up a big board. Um, You know, the Winter Pack Control, again, with the board clears, isn't really as much of a concern. So now you're trying to mostly go toe-to-toe against the Ironclad mid-range, which you can do from a value standpoint, and against Swarm Rush, which you can do from a control standpoint. So uh, Shadowfen mid-range still definitely in a, a pretty reasonable position here. It's really hard for Claxi, I would imagine, to generate any real value from your opponent in the Ironclad mid-range matchup, isn't it? Just trying to think, like, does Claxi ever... Like, I'm sure Rain Claxi is still a thing, no doubt, but you you never really get any opponent clears with it. No, mostly what you're doing is trying to set up that turn ahead of time uh, because your opponent probably doesn't play a lot of board clears, so you'll get some of your tokens to stick, and then you get to clog up the board with a ton of value. Um, you know, they're they're going big in a geographically concentrated area, right? They have to do it around a tower or around a construct, right? But if you're able to uh, go back and forth in the early turns on the front line, which is certainly possible with Hunter's Vengeance, which is um, Crimson Sentry, Toxic Sacrifice. There's a lot of defensive tools in the Shadowfen kit that can work for you in that area. Uh, so if you can just stick some tokens to hold a front, now you have a dispersed set of large minions around the board that's very hard for them to deal with and very hard for them to attack because you're probably also clogging up the area around your baseline. All right. So... Arthas, I'm noticing that Winter Pack Midrange is a solid Tier 2 deck based on the survey we've sent out to top tier players, and yet its play rate is almost nil. In fact, nobody's really seen it. What do you think? What's going on? I can kind of vouch for that too, because I even I, even myself, I stopped playing Winter Pack Midrange. It feels like there are just so many better options, you know? Um, I know I was hyping it up uh quite a bit a few episodes ago and it is very fun still it's just definitely feels like it's just lacking some something i don't know value or setup i don't know but it's just not as good as playing even the nerfed uh winter pack control with Aaron and spells like that one still seems to be uh incredibly powerful because i still see that uh decent amount like even after the Aaron nerf where Aaron cannot cast gifted the wise now people are still playing Aaron gifted the wise decks i mean they're still playing Aaron with needle blast and the uh, blade storm still destroying me with like hunter's vengeance <laughs> and stuff and then like after playing Aaron, they play gifted the wise and ulf and then it's like oh man <laughs> okay <laughs> but like <laughs> with midrange you know it's it's not it's it's a bit harder i guess because i've done like countless experimentations and different optimization routes for like winter pack mid-range like with zivana but it's, it always seems to be lacking like eventually when i was trying to optimize it even more and more i just ended up putting things like gift of the wise in and it's just like mm, okay gift of the wise rhyme okay i'm only winning because they don't have confinement 
<laughs> well, what, what is what is level five gift can you remind our listeners it's uh it is uh eight mana it gives 14 <laughs> so it's six, it's plus six mana right that's, that's kind of crazy right that's an in, that's a free rhyme basically on top of your rhyme <laughs> goodness, goodness. Yeah. all right so that's what we have this month for our meta report. Guys, what are we thinking about uh, linked golems? Like, All right, I wanted, to, I wanted to add to your linked golems thing. Because uh, uh, I recently, uh, I fused it to level 5 because I have a oh, scrub. No. <laughs> I got so tired. I got so tired of my level 4 against the other level 5 people. Okay, so I caved. It only it only costs like twenty fusion stones, so it's fine. But it's anyway. forgivable. It's forgivable. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so, I, I so, feel super dirty with it. It's gross. It's what the heck? It's gross. No doubt. It's just it, yeah. the strength to mana ratio is crazy at level five. If you land it on another construct, which admittedly is a condition, it's not a particularly hard one for Ironclad to meet, but it is a drawback. But if you can land it, you're talking about thirteen strength for three mana. Like, for, for for three mana. Okay, for three mana, like assuming assuming there's already a construct on the board, or even if there's none, then you just spend one or two extra mana. But like for link golems, it just buffs two large units, two two of them. Right. You know, uh, and it has and, movement. Right. Uh, and it has exactly. movement. Exactly. What the heck? So two big units usually for two big units by big units, the way I define big units by myself are cards with uh units with seven or more strength. You know, larger than the six strength threshold that most cheap cards have so big units such as uh like link golems level five becomes eight strength and then anything it buffs will like 99 percent of the time be like eight strength or more <laughs> right and yeah on an average basis it takes four different cards or four different actions to clear those two units and then you just needed link golems and another card to pull that off Kind of right. Well, yeah, but there's there's also something even better about it, right? So, like, if I compare it to boosting elixir, boosting elixir costs a little more, does a little less. It also requires there be two units already on the board. It doesn't supply the second one, and 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 because linked golems has movement, the biggest difference is I can't use. Let's say I want to use my recruits as as one of the two. It's in hand, right? I got six mana. I'm going to play recruits into boosting. My recruits have to survive the trade if I want to clear a unit before I get to play the boosting on it. Whereas with linked golems, they take the buff and then trade. So it's they'll get the buff and survive the trade, whereas a recruits into boosting won't, right? Like that's a that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, yeah. It's even more significant that a unit survives in a faction like Ironclad because um, Link Golems is a construct and there's so many construct synergies. Having a Link Golem survive with one strength after on like after play is a massive deal if there's like a, a upgrade point nearby. Or like literally or in hand with Mia next turn, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if you just open with green prototypes into link golems on four mana, next turn upgrade point in Mia on whatever survives, it's fine. It's enough. You put a ton of strength on the board. It, you put something that continually generates value in the structure that your opponent has to deal with or else it's going to get out of hand. Right. I'm going to take a, a quick detour. I promise this won't be very long, but it's time for story time with Uncle Freeloader again. <laughs> okay. So Baiku and I used to play this other game called Hearthstone. And 
in it, Hearthstone had accidentally, and by accidentally I mean completely with 100% purpose, even despite being warned against it, printed a card called Patches the Pirate. And Patches had a fantastic uh, uh, effect, which was if he's in your deck, not your hand, but your deck, and you play a pirate, he shoots out onto the board. And so it turned out that the expected win rate of someone who accidentally drew pirate in their opening hand, like mulliganed and, and it showed up, dropped precipitously. The win rate difference between having patches come out of the deck for free early or have to get played from hand was astronomical. It was such a big difference just based on having the cards shuffled the right way that at some point Blizzard kind of threw up their arms and said, sorry, this was a bad idea, and they nerfed it. Linked golems to me, bringing it back to Stormbound. On turn one, going second, green protos into linked golems feels like one of those, oh my god, the expected win rate of this game just went haywire. It's too early for that big of a swing, in my opinion. And I think that's what feels bad about it. Um, I have been beating players who run it by, by denying them, if I can't clear all the constructs, I deny them a trade with the linked golem. So in other words, I don't put anything close enough to a construct that linked golems could be played in a way that both buffed and traded. And it's turned out to be an effective strategy to beat linked golems. If you can't clear all the constructs, stay far enough away from them, or at least position your units in such a way so that, you know, linked golems will not trade left or right after buffing the surviving construct. And that makes me think that maybe the right thing to do here to stop this giant swing in expected win rates, and I don't know what the real numbers are, I'll totally admit that, just this is my feeling would be to take away the movement from linked golems. Arthas, what do you think? Well, that is a significant nerf, but uh, it and it's still a lot of value even without the movement, right? Like 13 strength, 3 mana, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> the, one of the other things that I'm like a little concerned is uh, it is a little too similar to boosting Elixir. Like it's just straight up better than, right? I mean, I know it already is, but it has its differences. But if it doesn't move, then it just like even more makes uh, boosting el elixir obsolete, right? Well, Sabaiku, isn't boosting elixir just kind of a worse linked golems now? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like doesn't I think boosting elixir is already obsolete. But so I want to go back to what you said there, Freeloader, because I do agree with you that in general there is counterplay around linked golems. Your opponent is opening on three mana. He puts out Destructobots. You know what's coming. You can set it up so that your units are not within trading distance, like you said. Or uh, I like to go the other way and put my units so that they're bordering the Destructobots so that the linked golem has to go behind it. And that limits the utility there a lot. Um, you can play Shadowfen and play Witches or Crimson Sentry are both reasonable counters that mitigate a lot of the damage from the linked golems, but that's trying to close the barn door after the horse has left. Um, that's very fair. But we talked earlier about how Swarm Rush is a popular deck, and one of the reasons might be because it targets the Ironclad. And I think this is one of the reasons why, because a Swarm Rush deck has the tools to go around the huge value generator that the opponent just put down. In general, a Swarm Rush deck isn't doing a heck of a lot of trading anyway. But with Shady Ghoul and Doppelbox and even Dreadfonds, if you're building it that expensive, 
you can just go around the huge minions that your opponent has put in the middle of the board. Yeah, it sucks when they get down to your baseline, but you know, you're trying to close the game out before that point anyway. Um, and that might be one of the reasons why you're seeing Swarm Rush still so frequently is because it's one of the few decks that without actually trying to trade into the units can still effectively work around it. So are you suggesting then that a nerf to linked golems might open up more design space within Swarm Rush and, and potentially the rest of the meta? I'm saying that the unique movement mechanics to swarm allow it to already combat the link golem problem and actually taking away the movement makes it a little harder for the swarm deck to operate right like you're you're trying to go you're trying to go around and behind their units that's harder when the unit hasn't moved (laughs) so that would be an inadvertent buff for ironclad to beat swarm Hmm. I'd say it's a bit controversial. Uh, probably want to talk about that to Reckless. <laughs> but like, I see, I see, I see the logic there. You know, because uh, zero movement, zero movement cards do have their unique utility that movement cards don't have, and that's because you can place them anywhere you want. Right. We see this with Swarm mid range, right? Like too many zero movement cards makes it so hard to play defense that the deck becomes very difficult to play well and you know you try to make up for it with something like dark harvest which which takes advantage of the fact that the units don't move but i when i'm building a deck i always add one or two units that don't move because they do have defensive utility or sometimes offensive utility as a way to protect something that that's important on your opponent's baseline um so yeah, it's I'm not saying that it's necessarily better for link golems to have movement or not have movement. I'm just saying that there are pros and cons in either direction. You got to be wary of unintended consequences. That's fair. So so Arthas, you're concerned about boosting elixir being uh, sort of out, <laughs> outshined. So hold on, let me ask you this then. Another possibility would be to take Link Golems and maybe burf it. Uh, and I know how much MKM loves that, oh, that term. Gonna, don't tell me it's going to be four mana, dude. I was wondering, uh, <laughs> why not go five mana and just make oh, debug man. loggers completely irrelevant? <laughs> Let's make it five mana, take away the movement, and reduce the buff a little bit too. No, 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 no. no. I don't want a war song <laughs> command. I was saying, what, what, if, what if we gave it like plus one health to both sides, both itself, you know, it'll buff itself by one extra at all levels and the unit that it's played next to by uh, a same thing, one level at all. All the way up to five mana though. But bring it all the way up to five mana. Like, would that be too crazy? I I think that's too crazy. (laughs) It's the early game swing. Linked golems, I I, I will die on this hill. Linked golems, if the first time you manage to, to land it is on turn five or six, it's irrelevant to the game. It, 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 That's a little bit of hyperbole, but I know I see but, what you're saying. But, but, but it, it's, say- not, it's not moving like all the other decisions you made prior to it. All the other decisions that have been made post it have a normal impactful level on the win likelihood of the game in either direction. When it's played on turn, you know, on, on, on the first turn of four mana or on five mana with destructo bots it's insane that early that's just too much value it's too big of a swing so is there any how would you propose 
limiting the win percentage swing of that card I such have that an idea. okay i'm listening i mean it's it's a very basic idea but um i think literally just uh putting just reducing the ability on you because the biggest problem isn't the synergy or the like the buff it's how much the buff is because of how huge the uh like how big the constructs become after link golems happens i mean so if we think about it like let's say both the extremes level one level five uh link golems a level one has movement and when you proc it it has that's five strength worth that you just put on the board with the link golem body and the two ability per unit and at level five it's 13 and that's absolutely mad for a three mana movement card i think that if they brought it down like at level one it was one ability so then it would be um, three strength one movement with a condition that would make sense comparing it to something like westwind and then at level five when you bring it down maybe maybe even by two <laughs> two ability right so uh, it would still be nine strength with movement, you know, and the Link Golems themselves would buff up to six, which is, uh, it's like a West Wind, right? I think right. that's a decent enough nerf to make it not so overwhelming, but still keeping the design and the way the card is meant to be played, you know, still similar. Because, uh, sure, like when you buff, like, let's say level five, my, my proposal is at level five, it would only buff four. It still keeps the three strength body, but like the, the construct that you buff, will most likely be a unit with seven or more strength. So that's already something big the enemy has to deal with. But the Link Golems doesn't have to be that big as well. And I think that's that makes more sense. And it also makes more sense for how much mana and movement it has, you know? I'm sorry, I just want to ask a dumb question right here because something you said just popped this into my head. At level five, what is Link Golems buff to the other unit? It's also five. It's also... So it's effectively level four Pog? No, it's level three Pog. Actually. Level, level three Pog, okay. So, so at level five, it is stronger than Westwind at level level five, right? It's a bigger unit for the same cost with the same movement with level three Pog for free. Yeah, <laughs> or even better, even better if you think uh, of um, a full Westwind, right? Yeah, yeah, then, six. So right, that's, that's six one. The, there's two strength from the Link Golems and the five strength from the other unit. That is basically max Westwind, max Potion of Growth together oh yep. my gosh it's six <laughs> mana worth of stats rolled into three mana that's just insane that's just insane, insane. <laughs> and you know you guys were were getting to the point that i came to which is i think that the linked golems themselves having the buff that they have is not terrible yes it'll win a trade against any other three uh but that's fine like winning a trade against any other three mana unit is fine because there is a condition attached to it. Maybe it shouldn't be stronger than Heliotroopers, which also has a condition of the drawback that it's poisoned. Um, but you can try to split those hairs later. The biggest concern is the buff on the other construct that it's linked to and just reducing that, making it asymmetrical even would be a huge step in the right direction because now instead of an 11 strength destructo box that goes along with this overstatted three mana minion it would be something that's a little more reasonable and a little easier to handle i don't think that you need to necessarily remove the movement i don't think that the link golems necessarily need to be hit hard but the original unit that's getting the buff probably is where i would try to target it if I weren't trying to rework the card completely. Do you see a scenario where something like linked golems plus one to itself in terms of buff over what it does now? So at every level it buffs itself even more, but it does zero buff to the other unit? 
Same well, then they're not though? exactly linked. Well, they, they, they are because the buff only happens when they're played next door. I, I guess that would, that would just be a, con- a concern of like the original design of the card, right? Sure. Uh, and its uniqueness that it buffs both. And it would be a little too similar to personal servers where it's buffing itself. Yeah, and it would buff itself and not the original unit as opposed to personal servers, which buffs the original unit and but not, not itself. itself. Right. So it would be a nice a nice contrast to the personal servers that way. But I think it would be a wrong idea to completely remove the the whole like uniqueness part of Link Golems. You I don't agree want to with completely you. kill that design. But At least play with it, the stats first, right? Making it asymmetrical, <laughs> I think, is is one way to go yeah. about it. All right, let's let's close up the uh, uh, the meta report conversation now that we've talked about maybe one of the cards that's keeping Ironclad on top. Overall, what do you guys think? Is is the meta maintaining diversity? Is it healthy? How are we doing? Sabaiku, you go first. Oh, I hate to say it, but no, I'm not seeing a ton of diversity. Um, you know, I made my way up through Platinum playing uh, more games than usual, but not a ton. So admittedly, my sample size is small and reflective just of me, but I see really just so much ironclad midrange and so much swarm that it's probably... I would say probably 80 to 90% of my games and I don't know if that's true I'm not keeping that I'm not keeping that kind of track of my games but uh that's certainly how it feels to me I would guess that 10 to 20% of my games are against Winter and Shadowfen combined that lack of diversity does take away from the enjoyment of the game it makes it every every match feel kind of a little a little similar yeah Arthas, how about you me, I'm I'm also only seeing two factions really, and that's uh, Ironclad and Swarm. And uh, I I love to like make new decks, like what I was doing with like my Ironclad, I'm not Ironclad, Swarm Dragons. But um, like because of how little diversity I'm finding, I end up just building my decks to try and counter those, but like intentionally do worse against other decks. But since those other decks aren't being played anyway, it's like, what's the harm to me? I don't think that's really healthy. It's not very fun. I like to build more well-rounded decks rather than really tailored decks just because of how uh, invariant the the meta is. You know, you're just seeing the same stuff, playing the same people and the same kind of play styles, you know. Especially if you start you start mirroring other people, it's like... Oh, okay. Then you'll. It's easier to get salty when you lose because they have higher levels than you, and you guys ended up playing similar deck. You know, it's kind of not very good for the experience. Hence, why you threw fusion stones into your link goals, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> I I will say that I am shocked at how far down Winter Pack has gone in terms of its frequency. There was a lot of Winter Pack being played in November. And it's um, based on what we're seeing, the least played faction now, um, and almost all of it in control, which, you know, again, that is the faction for control. So I guess that part's not overly surprising, but my experience has been almost exclusively ironclad. I haven't played nearly as much as the two of you, but I have been seeing almost exclusively ironclad opponents. So I'm also in that same boat. People on the Discord... uh do definitely talk about the winter decks that they're trying. Um, Anyone who says that it's completely dead is usually met with, no, no, this one's working well for me and diamond kind of response. So it's definitely still viable. It's just maybe not as strong as it used to be. And that's enough to put off some people. Well, the one, the one promising thing that I will say from all of this is that Sheepyard has been overall fairly strategic 
in a lot of their decision-making so far. I feel like the individual tactics, like for example, did Bassanu have the right stats? Maybe we could argue, no, it's a little too weak. It's not going to see play. But the overall strategies that they seem to be, you know, the overarching ideas that they seem to be putting forward are the right ones. And they, they have said flat out that that Gift of the Wise is, is making the design space for Winter Pack difficult. They've nerfed it. They've now nerfed Eren so she can't play it. It seems to me like they're trying to be able to make space where they could be introducing either changes to existing cards or new cards within Winter Pack that might be very powerful. And in a world where you can cheese out Gift of the Wise too powerful, but now that these changes are being made, hopefully we see the second half of this strategy, which is get Gift of the Wise to the point where it doesn't decide games on its own and then start giving Winter Pack some really cool new stuff. And I'm looking forward to part two. I agree. You know, really, it's very clear from the moves that they've made so far that this is all prologue. They're just trying to get things in a good place for them to introduce larger updates and hopefully a lot more cards. And I'm very, very excited to see where they go from here. All right. So moving forward from there, we solicited some feedback from our listeners everywhere we could. We asked for any and all questions that people have that they would like to see answered. Um, and we got some responses. Uh, first up, we got a question from, I think this is pronounced Evil Deck. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I hope so. Uh, Arthas, I'll ask you this question. Are after attacking abilities any good against after taking damage abilities? So in other words, are um, uh, like things like uh, Lich Summoners, are they any good against Elders? Well, if we're talking about the mechanic comparison uh taking damage is like basically better because um it encompasses all the situations after attacking would succeed in while adding more situations where it could still proc the ability but after attacking it does not you know exactly it still works on your opponent's turn uh, you also deal. can abuse one of the two right you can't force your own i mean i guess if you're playing with forgotten souls you could play a unit with movement that attacks once and then you could play Forgotten Souls to abuse that same ability one more time. But it's just a heck of a lot easier to abuse the taking damage ability of Elders, right? Especially in Shadowfen, but but just in general, like Hunter's Vengeance uh, is a great way of abusing taking damage effects. So there's just one of the two you can leverage a lot more, I think, right? Yeah, and some after attacking abilities are so strong that they still see a ton of play. Like I'm thinking uh, Green Gale Serpents for, for Ironclad decks, right? Like on attack. It's actually before attacking. <laughs> That's right. right? Um, but for the most part, like these Lich Summoners doesn't see a lot of play and it's it's for a good reason. It's because it's only situationally useful and Well a good one a good after attacking card is uh, like Toad. Toad is still seeing a lot of play, you know? It it's is still yeah, it is fantastic for sure. The buff on it's really good. Yeah, it's gotta be a really strong after attacking card or before yeah. attacking card. Good point. All right. So uh follow up to that. Sabaiku, so, are are liches and lasting remains and debug loggers fluffy bad boxers and other cards with this after attacking ability are they losing play because of the elders being so good well having not been in the game pre-elders it's hard for me to make that comparison i think you know to to what we just talked about it's got to be a really strong ability on attack in order for it to see play as opposed to on taking damage 
Actually, I'm struggling to think of a mediocre on taking damage ability that sees play, you know, like... Oh, that sees play. I don't I don't think there's a mediocre one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. It's it, Basically, what, this, what the answer actually boils down to is only the busted cards are the ones that see regular play anyway. <laughs> right, I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a question about, like, the mechanic, right? Because the mechanic can be justified by the ability itself it's just that most of the uh, after attacking abilities just aren't as good as the other after taking damage abilities even if both of them were like the same mechanic right like chestnuts or booming professors those abilities are just way too powerful even if those elders were after attacking those would still see more play than the already existing after attacking abilities yeah well, that's, that's true fair. isn't it vindicators yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to get my or is it obliterators i can never remember no vindicators you're right yeah when they attack they deal damage to the base yeah because there's like greenwood ancients for example so that uses the elder mechanic but it's, it doesn't see play because its actual effect is just inconsequential like nowhere near yeah. powerful enough i would say it would have to do with the effect and whether it's worth it for the card stats you know yep 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 agreed okay so back to arthas with this one kep Asks, which of the mods in Stormbound Discord server is the best? Your choices are A, Kurua. Kep, B, Kep, <laughs> C, all of the above. Okay, I guess it would be hard for me not to say Kep because I've been playing Kep a lot lately. Kep, uh, aka Dreadful Keepers in the game. <laughs> a lot of, the, I think all of the Stormbound mods actually have a particular card after them mm-hmm, uh, all of them mm-hmm. being dragons but uh kept him kept is a uh, dreadful keeper he's been playing a lot kept's very fun very cool mod but uh i gotta say it's karua <laughs> <laughs> all right so becca do you want to do you want to stick your foot into this pool and, and announce who you think is the best one? No. i just want to watch arthur's get no. from the server no, no salt please i want to go on record and just say that i love all of the mods and everything they do for the stormbound oh yeah for sure very <laughs> okay. diplomatic thank you get nanaid uh can you whip as well or do you have to just get nanaid uh, that's that's unclear. Ask a couple of questions here. One, uh, we'll go to Sebeku on this. What is the lore of Stormbound? Even a loose trail would be good. So I will say that there's not a ton of lore in the game. You see a little bit of flavor around a lot of the heroes on the loading screens. But if you go to stormbound-kitty.com, you will see a lot of player-generated stories, um, and I believe there's also some on the Discord. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of fans with a lot of imagination that have worked to fill in those gaps, and uh, Freeloader has even read some of those to you for your bedtime if you care to listen. Shameless plug: you can go back into our uh, <laughs> podcast history and 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 see it. Uh, Arthas, uh, do you have any comments on the Stormbound lore? Do you know anything that us noobs don't? I know Stormbound's gravity is exceptionally strong because I calculated its acceleration. Oh, do tell. <laughs> I did actually. Uh, here, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, me and Troxies calculated the Stormbound acceleration due to gravity in the Maths channel. And, really? Uh, it's actually accurate. This is not the direction I expected this answer to go. I have to say I am very it's, surprised. Hey look, hey look, it's also published on Stormbound Kitty, okay? It's it's a, uh, 843 meters per second squared. Wow. That okay. explains the toughness of all of these units. <laughs> we, we calculated this by uh, 
Well, I can't. I don't want to get into it. I mean, it's it's a it's a lot. But uh, you guys can totally check it out on Stormbound Kitty. Uh, it's there. Also in the server, the Discord. I mean, but uh, I have to say, the next funny. time, the next time I've got a <laughs> cup of coffee and an hour to to kill, I'm gonna sit down with the pad and pencil and, and work this through myself. <laughs> Moving on from there, <laughs> let's start with Arthas. What's your favorite unit? Oh, favorite unit. That's a tough one. It's I. Okay, I have a, I have more of a top three. I can't really choose. Depends on my mood, you know? You have to. Choose your favorite child. Here I have to choose? Every oh. parent has a favorite child. If you didn't know that, it wasn't you. It was the other one. Oh, man. Okay, it's uh, it's got to be Brute Sages. Nice. No. Okay, you oh. know what? I actually didn't even think about you this. You had the no. chance. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> listen. Tr- look, look. I have my backings, okay? I loved Brute Sages even before we existed, okay? Like, it was set in my destiny, right? Okay, listen. Brute Sages has an ex- incredibly high skill cap. All the little utilities you can do with the spawns and how you can optimize where you want to put the stuff. I find that whenever I play Brood Sages, I find that those games to be one of the most interesting games ever because of the things I can do with it. Okay. That's, it's like, it's either that or like either Edric or uh, Toad, but they're like not as cool, you know? <laughs> not as cool. I agree. Brood Sages are a lot of fun to play with. You're um, darn for, right they are. For my answer, I'm going to go with Klaxi. Uh, the first the first legend that i ever saw in the game i was like oh my gosh that effect is so cool i just i have to craft that card immediately and i did and i don't play it anymore but i regret nothing it was still, (laughs) still so fun to play i am probably going to go I'm probably going to go with witches. And, and and the reason why I'm going to go with witches is because there's, I don't think there are too many other common cards in the game that let somebody at a low level punch up as well as witches do. If you can get your witches to at least level three, my dear platinum or gold or silver uh, uh, listeners, if you can get your witches to plat th- to, to level three, you have a real puncher's chance with a good swarm deck. Or Swarm Deck, Shadow Fan Deck, pardon me, uh, to really be able to punch up and, and make, you know, sort of reach new heights at the end of your season. Um, it's one of the first cards I got to level five. It's one of the few cards I have at level five still, uh, and I regret nothing on it. It has been, it's just the MVP of my deck in so many games. So there's my answer. Um, we will go, let's see, we'll go back to Arthas on this one. Are we getting, are we ever going to get, do you think? a feline knight or pirate elder. And I'm trying to think right now. I know there's no pirate elder. Is there no knight elder as well? I guess there isn't, is there? There is none. <laughs> so do I, you think we're ever going to get an elder for felines, knights, or pirates? I think it would be uh, I think it would be crazy if we didn't. So I think that is something that um, Sheepyard maybe are thinking of filling because those are some uh, open spots in the neutral kingdom. Much like how they filled the, uh, the pirate hero right right that's right looking forward to seeing what ideas they come up with so so sabaiko you are in agreement with arthas then that you think there's going to be i think uh, there should be it should be yeah (laughs) should be all right i'm gonna take the contrarian on this i'm gonna say look uh elders were a thing they had their effectively their expansion they got introduced to the game there's elder packs uh that's not the same as heroes. Heroes have been in the game since the beginning. Every faction or every every race, pardon me, within the factions and stuff get one. 
seeing Sheepyard come in and give us a pirate hero is different, I think. I feel like the Elders are the Elders. They, they, that expansion's done. Uh, so I would not be surprised if we never get a feline knight or pirate elder. I, I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get it, but they should do it because I like symmetry. I like completeness. <laughs> if they, if these cards don't show up, if anything, maybe ancient versions of them would show up. Okay. Okay. But I don't know. That's even more stretched though. And the last question from Get Maynade is who exiled King Loris and why? Well, okay. I know the answer to this one. This is 100% irrefutable, okay? Okay. Anyone that's ever watched Disney, you know? Um, You know, there's this particular lion, uh, someone called Scar. (laughs) Yeah, he Mm -hmm, exiled mm -hmm. this this lion club, right? Uh, He also happened to be the king. Hmm, I wonder. King? Lion? Exiled? It's gotta be Simba, guys. Scar has to have been the one that done it. <laughs> Incontrovertible proof that Stormbound is actually part of the Disney universe. There it is. We've got it, folks. Uh, uh, the next the next race that we're going to be introducing are warthogs. Uh, Don't toy with me. Uh, I was actually going to say Edric did it because King Loras kept making spots all over the carpet. Maybe that's just the cat owner in me and frustrations that I have with my current cat. um yeah i don't know i would i would say go to uh stormbound-kitty.com best website on the web and uh see if you can't find in the uh user stories something about king loris and uh there there may be some interesting uh uh little tidbits there that uh we are unaware of yet and if there isn't feel free to write your own yeah exactly uh it would be a very interesting story to tell so moving on from there, guys, that's uh, the uh, the entirety of the mailback that we've received. Um, there is one last little piece of news that I really am quite excited about. Uh, there is a new kind of tournament that was just announced. Sheepyard promoted it. It's being run by Pixels and Vox. Arthas, give us the lowdown. So this is uh, this is what we call the Conquest Tournament. And if you guys haven't already seen it was announced in uh, Sheepyard's uh, Twitter, right? And social media, other social media too. Also announced on the official Stormbound Discord with a link to the social media. And uh, yeah, this is the uh, sponsored Conquest tournament uh, run by the community, uh, Pixels and Bucks. And uh, this one's very interesting because uh, the way it's done is that people are going to be playing with equal levels. Equal levels being every card is level 1. All base HP is 10, 10 HP. So it's kind of like, fully level one account uh that's done through friendly matches but what's cool is that um players will be fighting in a best of three against opponents and uh, before the best of three happens you're actually choosing three factions that you're going to be playing with and same with your opponent your opponent will also be choosing three factions and um in the first game either of you can choose any of the factions that you have picked you play each other and after that game the winner of that first game cannot use the faction that they had just played. They have to switch to one of the other two. The loser can do what they want until they win or don't. And I think this is incredibly fun because uh, there's a lot of things you can do. You don't have to submit decks like in most traditional tournaments. You can switch cards back and forth in any of your factions uh, during the best of three. So this is a very flexible, really different kind of dynamic for tournaments. And I think it's very, very fun. And I gotta say, as someone who loves to join tournaments and community events, there really is nothing to lose when you join. There's just so much to learn. 
and who knows, you might surprise yourself, right? Well, that certainly sounds like uh, an exciting event. I know that uh, a couple of my friends have already said that they plan on giving it a shot, uh, even potentially Subaiku, which I'm excited to see how well he does. But that's going to end the main portion of this episode. So it's time for me to remind you all to please follow us on Twitter at BreedSages and email us at thebreedsages.com. Uh, for Arthas, Subaiku, I am Freeloader. We are the Bird Sages reminding you to stay hydrated. Be a Smetter Report. Be a Smetter Report. Be a Smetter Report.